You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. Friday, May 5th, this is The Christian Commute. I am your host, Seth Dunn. And Friday, as you know, is usually ping-pong day, but my son has a baseball game at 545. It is supposed to be a rain-out makeup game, and it's sprinkling right now. So I hope the game makes. But because his game is at 545, that leaves me no time for ping-pong, which meant I really had no reason at all for my physical presence to remain in Dalton. So I came to Calhoun to eat lunch at Dubs with my boy Shane and now I'm driving home and I'm going to work from home for the rest of the day and then go to that baseball game and then come home and work at night to get more hours in. But what does that mean for you Christian commuters? It means I'm leaving from Dalton so we may have a shorter show than usual. And I am without questions in the inbox once again the inbox is empty i had one yesterday and no i have not uploaded that show yet so we're just going to have the show topic which is intermediate greek grammar for new testament exegesis we're in the through seminary series still we're almost done i think i have Three more classes after this. I want to say it's cult theology, Hebrew one, and Hebrew two. I will have be, I'll be through with seminary, and we'll be through with the through seminary series on the Christian commute. And that is uh, intermediate Greek grammar. By the way, I made an A in this class, which is supposed to be the harder Greek grammar class. I made a B in the intro. To Greek grammar class. Don't know I had to. Don't know how I did that. Just sort of the same way I made a D in intro to Hebrew, but an A miraculously somehow because I memorized the passages um, uh, in Hebrew exegesis. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But there's a there's a teaser. Spoiler alert. There's a teaser. So that's the show topic. And I want to go ahead and tell you this before I get into the show topic. When I was making the show note today to talk about this class, I, I said to myself, like, I don't remember anything about this class. I remembered almost everything about Intro to Greek. Like I can't hardly even remember what we did or what the assignment was. But the show must go on. As always, we have the Bible chapter review. We're continuing in Matthew 21, the second half of the pericope about Jesus cleansing the temple. And hold on. You guys know I just left Dubs at lunch, so I got a half and half tea. So there will be pauses as I drink my tea. Will I make the red light? Nope. I'm at the intersection of... Wall Street and Highway 53 in Calhoun, if you know where that is, and I did not make the turn signal light. So let's see if this red light gives me time 
to read Matthew chapter 21, verses 14 through 17. Jesus has just cleansed the temple. He's just thrown out the money changers and tipped their tables over and threw, threw out the people uh, who were selling doves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things he had done, and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise for yourself? By the way, that's from Psalm 8. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and spent the night there. So this, this ends Jesus' first day in Jerusalem after his triumphal entry. So what goes on here? Jesus goes to the temple. It is not as it should be. And here's the thing. This is something that should have upset the chief priests and the scribes. They should have been upset in the temple being turned into a den of robbers. They should have been upset that there was money changers in the temple and people selling doves. They should have already driven out the people that Jesus drove out. But they had not done anything about it. Jesus comes in and does something about it. Not only that, the blind and the lame come to the now cleansed temple where Jesus has thrown out those miscreants. Here comes the tea. And he's healing them. So the blind see and the lame walk. He's doing wonderful works for the people. And children are shouting out, Hosanna to the son of David. And remember, Hosanna is a prayer. It's an exclamation of prayer that means save us now. And they're saying Hosanna to, to. They're directing it. Hosanna to someone. They're directing it at Jesus, the son of David. The chief priests and scribes should have been celebrating that the, the temple was cleansed, that the, the lame walked and the blind saw, and that children were shouting out to the son of David. But they're indignant about it. They do not like it. And they want Jesus to reject this praise. They want him to find these children crying out, Hosanna, the son of David, out of order. Do you hear what they're saying? Because to them, like, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth. You know, who's this guy from Nazareth coming to coming to coming into town like he's all that? And he says, Haven't you read? And he goes to Psalm 8. Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes you have prepared praise for yourself. Now let's think about this psalm. Infants can't talk. That's the point of the psalm. Like, even young people who can't even fathom the idea of praising things or higher level ideas are, are praising them. Because everything praise, praises the Lord. Everything and everyone. So, and, and the children are also like the most innocent among us. You know, original sin being put to the side. So Jesus says, he refers to this psalm. 
And who is the psalm about? What, who, who is getting praise from himself out of the mouths of, of infants and nursing babies? It's God. He's pointing to himself. He's like saying, they're praising me. Haven't you read about how the young people praise God? And when this says nursing babies, you got to remember that they're old enough to talk in that day. So now babies get weaned or put on Similac a lot earlier than they were weaned back then. Somebody, you might have four-year-olds nursing back then or even older. So they can talk. They can, they can call out. And there's probably some older children calling out as well. But Jesus just points back to this psalm. It's like, this is the, uh, you know, he's like, like, you know that Trace Adkins song? That song's about me. You know, this is Jesus said, that song's about me. You don't like it? That song's about me. And then he leaves. He goes outside the city and finds a place to stay in Bethany. And with that, we'll end the Bible chapter review. You can think on that while I merge on to I-75. Because I had to drive down Highway 53. I'm behind some Silverado Dooley pickup truck. Taking his sweet time to get on the on the interstate. Now the rain's coming down. Something just hit my car. Some kind of road debris. Alright, I'm going to get into the show topic when I get into the left lane. But it's, it's harder than usual. Oh, come on. Kia Optima. All right. I give up. Now I'm hitting the gas pedal. I've had to floor my car twice today. Once getting on, the, uh, on I-75 on the way to lunch. And now to pass this tractor trailer in the middle lane. All right. I'm in the middle lane. All right, we got some jabroni up here going slow in the left lane, ruining everybody's Friday. It never fails. And when I can extricate myself from this situation, we'll move on to the show topic proper. All right, if you're going to leave me room, I'm getting over blue FJ Cruiser. All right, I'm in the left lane now. I'm, I'm at my cruising altitude. You know, like when you're on an airplane and they say, all right, the... When we reach our cruising altitude, the captain will turn off the fastening seatbelt sign. That's the situation. I've reached my cruising speed on the left, and I can start the show proper. No, you know what? All right, you know, I'm just going to calm down. There's somebody way up there in the left lane, and this big Chevy truck's trying to tailgate him now, and he won't move. He's just, we're eight cars deep because of this person. I'm going to start anyway. All right, here we go. Through seminary. Intermediate Greek grammar for New Testament exegesis. So the two Greek courses we have to take are the intro into the grammar of the language itself to learn how it works, which is what I talked about yesterday. And now we have to take a class which is going to prepare you for practical application of the Greek. Because anybody can just know a language, right? Alright, now I get it. I know the language. But now we're going to take what we know of this language, look at the Greek New Testament, and understand the Greek. Get the meaning from the Greek. That's the exegesis part. So at this seminary, 
overall, we are being taught to become expositional preachers who can exegete the meaning out of the text and communicate it to the church. So this is the second part of that. All right, we're going to understand. We're going to know how we can make an exegetical sermon out of the New Testament from the Greek, and that's what is going on here. So basic grammar is over. You're you're suspect. You're expected in this class to know how to do that, to know how, know the basic words and basic rules. So now that you can apply them. In fact. Uh, Greek 1 is a prerequisite for this course. And I really can't think of any other course in seminary that had prerequisites except for these Greek courses. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know if Systematic 2 had Systematic 1 as a prerequisite. And for, you, for those people who don't have any college learning who are listening... Uh, at the college, I don't, I don't think you do this at high school. Maybe you do. I think there's prerequisites at high school. When you're in a degree program, there are courses that are called prerequisites, which means you have to take these courses before you're eligible to take a second course in the same subject. Like you have to take Algebra 1 before you can take Algebra 2, for example. So obviously Greek 1 is a prerequisite for Greek 2 which is what I'm going to call this. They call it Intermediate Greek for New Testament exegesis. It's Greek too. So we still have our lexicon. That's still an important part of our work. And we're learning uh, more application of the Greek. But in this course, we're not re- we don't really have what I'll call flashcard quizzes, like, what does this word mean? What does this word mean? What does this word mean? It's more, what is this sentence? Number one, what does it translate into? And number two, what does it mean? And I think I had to do a paper for this class, and for the life of me, I can't remember can't remember what it was. It was amazing to me what a blur this class seemed uh, when I tried to think about it this morning. Like, what am I going to say on the podcast about this? Other than it was the fall term of of 2017, was it wasn't that I, I, I spiked my show note. This is not a very good episode. What did I do with my show note? Well, where were, where were we last time? Summer 2016. So I think this what, fall. Yeah, this is yeah, because fall comes after summer. <laughs> this is uh, I guess fall 2016. And my transcript didn't say internet course, even though I distinctly remember taking this course on the internet. I didn't go to any lectures on it. And I was able to solely focus on this class because it was the only one that I was taking. I had begun to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But interestingly enough, at this time in my life, uh, this marked another church change for me. So optimally, you're born and you never ever change churches. Because it's usually, unless you're moving, if you move, obviously you're going to change churches because you move to a different town. But if you don't move, 
you really don't want to be changing churches because that means there's something wrong, either with you or the church or the people in the church, whereas the church is the people in the church. But it, it's something bad has happened, something that is not optimal, and it's so bad that you have to change churches. And what I think is so weird about my personal journey through seminary is that I changed churches one, two, three times during seminary. And, you know, most people, I don't know about most people, but if you live in the same town, a lot of people never change churches in their entire life. And I can distinctly remember in my church evangelism class when we were talking about visiting churches, I sat there and, th- and thought to myself, wow, I've, I've been to less than 10 churches just for a Sunday morning service in my life. And I sat there and tried to count them. And I said, well, I went to Woodland Park Sunday morning services because that's where we went when I was little. And I said, I think I went to the Harrison United Methodist Church once on a Sunday morning because my brother was taking care of me that day and his friend Joe and I don't know where my parents were, but we went to church near our house at that church. I can remember that. And I don't think I'd ever been to another church on Sunday morning before. I'd been to other churches for VBS. And then I said that, and then I went to a Sunday service at the Emory University Chapel once. That was when I was 15. Because uh, I was, once again, in the care of my brother's friend Joe. I went out to hang out with him while he was getting his, his master's at Emory. And that's a Methodist school, so they have a Methodist chapel service. And I went to that on Sunday morning. And, and until I was, you know, and I'm 15 years old. And then by, by the time I was 15, we had moved to Cartersville. So I'd been to Tabernacle Baptist Sunday service and First Baptist Sunday service when we were trying to pick a church in Cartersville. So I counted it up, and I'm like, I've been to five Sunday services in my whole life. Well, now by the time I'm, I'm ending seminary, I've changed churches three times. And it's a church that has to endorse you to go to seminary. So Tabernacle endorsed me, and I left and went to Woodstock. Then I left there. Somebody narked on me for being some kind of problem church person when I left Woodstock because they had the charlatan arrogant canner. So I had left Woodstock for expedition, and I had to get the pastor there to fill out my paperwork. And by this time, I'm leaving there, because what has happened in my personal church life while I'm trying to get this education for the Lord is that Tim Samples, the pastor of Expedition, brought in a Roman Catholic, a Roman Catholic, not a former Roman Catholic, a actively practicing Roman Catholic to speak in our Sunday service. He was there to give some kind of uh, couples dinner. That's what he did. He went and spoke to couples, and Joe and Rhonda uh, were... Joe was the elder. Rhonda was his wife. And they were... They lived it. They're from Indiana, and they had seen this guy speak in Indiana, and both Joe and Rhonda were widowers, and this guy was a wi- widower, so that he... I guess he kind of spoke to them, and they had Tim bring him in. And I was like, did you, did you not even ask this guy where he went to church before he came? Because you could tell Tim didn't know he was a Roman Catholic, and he was embarrassed that I figured it out. It took me five minutes into this guy's sermon to figure out he was Roman Catholic. I'm like listening to him, and like, you have how many brothers and sisters? And then you had how many kids? And just, you're Roman Catholic. 
Obviously, you're not a Mormon. And I'm just sitting there stewing. And I was just like, I can, how much longer can I abide being here? And I've told you the, the Star Wars story before. Hey, uh, May the 4th was yesterday. This, I guess I should have done this podcast yesterday. How when, when Tim showed a Star Wars clip in church as a sermon illustration. And that was the last time I went there. So it was during this time taking this course that I'm making this transition to leave Expedition Church and go somewhere new. And that's when I started attending Roland Springs Baptist Church, which I'm about to pass uh, in Cartersville. I think it's the next exit up, which I often refer to as the Demonic Church of Freemasonry. All that to say, I'm nearing the end of seminary, and I've left two endorsing churches. And I'm trying to get to the end of seminary before I have to ask yet another church to endorse me. Because people are going to start thinking, like, what's wrong with this guy? Why is he a church hopper? And I tell you this, I didn't set out to be a church hopper. Church hopping is a bad thing. The more I learned about the Bible and the more I learned about churches, the more I demanded or expected biblical fidelity from churches and the more I was disgusted with growth programs for the sake of growth, the good old boy system, and then the right the downright incompetence of this church plant, the pastor of this church plant I was at in Cartersville. So I, I'm just starting to see all the angles and I, I end up at Roland Springs because it very much reminds me of the church where I grew up. Uh, I, I don't mean this in a bad way. Uh, it's more of sort of a country club feel. Not that a bunch of rich people went there because I've never been a member of a country club. But it is like it has that kind of feel because it seems like it's the same 50 giving units that have always gone there and they're all cousins and stuff like that. It's like everybody seems to know everybody and is real, like, real friendly with everybody. It's not a huge church, but it's not a small church. They've had the same pastor for 25 years. Uh, it's got a big building, but not too big. And the music um, was rarely Hillsong, and they had a Calvinist uh, youth pastor, which means they, you know, if you've got a Calvinist youth pastor, you're not throwing pizza party evangelism sessions. And the Sunday school class I was in there was very great. The, the, the teacher's name was Doug, his wife's name was Heidi, and I just thought they were super people. And I, I still think that about them. They're great people. Uh, and I like the people in my Sunday school class. So I ended up there, but I wasn't a member yet. And I didn't want any more trouble with somebody trying to call seminary. Like, well, look at this guy now. I'm just trying to finish. I'm so close to the end. And I'm just trying to get by. And I'm just trying to finish this Greek class. And I did. I don't remember what my paper was about, and it was probably so boring, it's, it doesn't stuck in my didn't stick in my mind. But I got an A. And where I am today, like I said yesterday, I can phonetically read the Greek in the Bible. I don't always pronounce it right. I remember what some of the words mean. If if I go to the interlinear and I click on it, and I'm like, okay, I know what that tense is and where it's how it's used. So with enough, if I had to, if I really wanted to dig into the Greek for a sermon, which when you're doing a sermon, a lot of times you don't have to because our translations are, we have very good Bible translations. 
So there's not a there's not a whole lot of nuance you have to pull out. But sometimes it's very it's very good when you're talking about a Greek word in a sermon. You say this Greek word is formed by these two verbs and it has this this emphasis on it. And it really makes it come alive. So I, I'm at the point where I can do that. If I needed to do Greek exegesis for a sermon and I had my lexicon and the internet, I could do it and I could do it accurately. And I think that's where you want to be after you take Greek 1 and Greek 2. Now if you're getting an MDiv in Greek, you want to be able where you can just read it and translate it right off the bat. If you're a vocational preacher, you probably want to be better with your Greek than I am, but I'm going to count it with a podcast. My Greek is good enough, and I have the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary to thank for that. So, seminary, thank you for my Greek education. I appreciate it, and like I said yesterday, I want to encourage everybody, if you have the time and money to take those Greek courses, it can only help you understand God's Word better. And with that, I'm going to end the show and drive through Panera Bread and get my wife for lunch. It's 2 o'clock, and I would not have waited for lunch this long, but she is. If you have a question about Christian theology and apologetics, please send it to me to sethdunn88 at gmail.com or dial 470-315-0875, the Christian Commute, your theological roadside assistance, or at least it used to be when people would write in regularly every day, and now nobody does it anymore. So send me your questions. Hopefully I'll upload this stuff. Today's Friday. I'll get this uploaded this weekend, maybe after my soccer game on Saturday. Uh, Wish us good luck in our soccer. As always, God bless, and as always, remember Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about being saved. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord. God bless.